Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Alan, June is Pride Month. Hooray! Uh-huh, hooray! A celebration of LGBTQ culture, plus an acknowledgement of all the civil rights progress that has been made. And it's also a time when brands like to latch onto Pride to promote themselves in various ways. <laughs> um, sometimes there's good alignment and sometimes not so much. We witnessed one that was not so much this week. <laughs> the app Unfold, which helps you very quickly, easily design Instagram story templates. Um, it, this is an app that was acquired by Squarespace in 2019. Um, and actually, coincidentally, Squarespace just went public this May and it was valued at $6.5 billion. This is important to note because photographer Ryan James Carruthers, um, who is a queer photographer, who you might remember, he took a lovely portrait of Jessica Simpson that was in the New York Times in 2020. Yeah. We actually talked about him one year ago during Pride Month in 2020. He took this wonderful silhouetted kiss photo. And at the time, I had compared it to a kiss photo taken by Eleanor Carucci that was featured in The New Yorker and how different, how awkward Eleanor's photo was on purpose and how lovely his photo was on purpose as well. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, his his work is phenomenal. Well, anyway, so Unfold contacts Ryan um, requesting to use 12 images of his on their Instagram account. Now, Unfold has... 981,000 followers. So that's not not a small amount. Um, They requested it specifically for a Pride Month feature. And they used the words for organic social. Now, this is important (laughs) to note. What is that? Organic (laughs) social. You mean unpaid social? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. Um, I mean, Really, when they say that, it's like them trying to be fancy of like, don't worry, we're not going to be putting like ad money behind this um, and make it be like a sponsored post or anything. It's just going to be strictly organic. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ryan, uh, you know, uh, he he writes back and he's like, uh, I need to be compensated. You're requesting to use my images to enhance the Unfold slash Squarespace brand. Um, as one that is relevant and supportive of the LGBTQ plus people. Um, Truly supporting us, however, means paying us for our work, especially in a feature that celebrates pride. Please consider tapping Squarespace's abundant resources to substantiate your message here rather than exploiting us in a time when we should be lifted up. Best, Ryan. It was a really straightforward, professional, and I would say overall fairly friendly email to- considering totally reasonable. was asked. Yeah. 12 photos? Yeah. Totally yes. reasonable to ask for payment. 12 is, 12 is a lot. Yeah. Here's where it sucks. <laughs> um, an hour later, Ryan got a reply from the co-founder of Unfold that said, Hi, Ryan. I'm, name is cut out, one of the co-founders of Unfold. It's a pleasure to meet you. As a company co-founded by a member of the LGBTQ plus community and as an employer of a diverse team, our support goes much deeper than some images on our Instagram. While I understand and respect your su- perspective on payment as a form of support, <laughs> sorry, I strongly disagree with the sentiment that any effort that doesn't include a dollar sign is, quote, exploitative. Bummed that this didn't work out, but wishing you nothing but the best. Be well. This reply, my immediate thought was like, 
why are brands still getting defensive and feeling like they need to explain themselves and make people feel bad for asking to be compensated. Also doubling down on like one of the co-founders is gay. It's like, what does that have to do with anything? It doesn't. Does that absolve you of like exploitation? Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. I, I just was like, that is so absurd. It's so ridiculous. So obviously Ryan did not end up giving images. He posted a really great, um, post on his Instagram that just completely blew up. Got I mean, a lot as of traction. Of now, yeah. Oh my gosh, it got so much traction. As of now, it has 62,000 likes. So many photographers within my feed were resharing this post, yep. you know, tagging Unfold. The support he got on social was just great. It was great support. And I noticed that it was still mainly photographers, professional photographers who were resharing his post. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday you sent me that the uh, Instagram account Diet Prada reshared that post. They actually made it one of their their featured newsfeed items. Diet Prada, in case you don't know, is uh, you know they have over two million followers. Uh, they do a lot of takedown style posts, and they republished Ryan's post in full. And I think that was sort of the tipping point. Yes. The the post itself got 88,000 likes as of recording this now. And I think that made it get even more traction. And it also finally, I think, got Unfold's attention because they have released a statement that they wanted to basically publicly say that they are, quote, very sorry <laughs> to Ryan and their community. Ugh, the apology is weak sauce. <laughs> First of all, the app and the story of how they were founded is pretty cool. You know, it's literally two 20-something guys. Uh, one, of the, one of the co-founders created the app uh, by hiring a web developer, spent his own money, um, got no traction, and then ended up reaching out to one of his users, and that user became another co-founder. Uh, and then they, a few years later, acquired by Squarespace. So in terms of just like entrepreneurs going out with a cool product and it's it's a, a product that's very similar to Adobe Spark. So it's all template based. It really makes it easy to to create really good looking um, posts uh, from your images or your video, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one thing. Like great app. Yeah. Love it. I've, I've used it. I've used it professionally at my jobs. Yeah. But here's the thing that I noticed when I, when I downloaded mm. it was that I was able to search through Unsplash's images and it was connected and you could automatically put them in, yeah, into your Unfold (laughs) template. And I remember being like, oh, like I have icky feelings about Unsplash, which we've talked at length about on the show. Um, So they partnered with them in 2018. Oh, so Unfold, Unsplash, Unpaid (laughs) is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's really good. I really wish I had thought of that and tweeted it. I'm so jealous, Alan. Part part of the part of the apology was that Unfold said they're going to donate ten thousand dollars to a charity of Ryan's choice, and mm. a lot of the comments that I saw was, "Well, that's very nice, but also why don't you just pay him like yeah. he originally requested?" Yeah, and also isn't that like a tax write off for them as a company? I mean, it is. I. I don't think that that's as compelling a reason to do it because, uh, you know, it's still cash out of their coffers. They're very rich coffers, but I think people misunderstand like the value of that, that write-off, especially, you know, $10,000 to 
what what is now like an eight billion dollar company. I did take a look at the Unfold Instagram page, and last month or the month before during. AAPI Asian American Pacific Islander Month. They featured a lot of Asian American photographers, and I'm assuming they pulled the same sort of stunt, if you will, asking these photographers for the content for free to post on uh, their Instagram feed. And obviously, a lot of photographers in the past have consented to that arrangement. So yeah. I think some people do see value in you know, hitting that audience of nearly a million people and some don't. It, it's an interesting phenomenon. I had a creator reach out to me because I had shot a video of him, uh, a surfing video of him. And he said, hey, bro, uh, would love to get this content from you. And I was like, what? Mm. I, don't give out, I don't give out content for people who are going right. to monetize this stuff. And right. he goes, oh, well, uh, maybe I can, you know, buy it from you. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. um, you can license it from me for a one-time use for X amount of dollars. And he writes mm. back and he goes, uh, it's not worth it. And I was like, it's not yeah. worth it to you or it's not worth it to me. Like what I value, how I value my content is different than you. Right. Mm. And it's nobody's business to be like, nah, that's bullshit. Or, you know, to try <laughs> to explain defensively why my content has no value. So I totally yeah. feel for Ryan in this situation, especially again, I think it's one thing, and, and I know there's going to be differing opinions on this. I think it's one thing if you're approached to say one image. It's a completely another thing to be like 12 images. 12 images, that that's could a be lot. a decade of your life. L- literally, that's like a whole little portfolio right there that you would sit down and show somebody. Yeah. Well, hopefully their apology was sincere and they are going to compensate everyone uh, you know, in the future. I would say like a social media post it's not like a ton of money. Right. You know, a couple hundred bucks Budget. is the going rate for, for that kind of stuff. And, and now there's no excuse. It's part of this huge public company. Totally, totally. Budget out for it. Unfold, just put it in the budget and start paying photographers so that they can download those little extra parts of your app when they, when they download it <laughs> that you have to pay for. Well, unless you're not in the photojournalism world or you've been offline for like the past five years, which good for you if you have and you probably haven't been listening to the show. <laughs> um, it's, it's really no secret that photojournalism has a misogyny issue. And uh, this began to come to light in more general media coverage after the infamous shitty media men list prompted an investigation into National Geographic's then photo editor, Patrick Whitty, back in like 2017. Um, And then the Columbia Journalism Review, who, you know, them along with like (laughs) F-stoppers has been kind of the most active in reporting these issues within journalism. Um, In 2018, Columbia Journalism Review published a special report titled Photojournalism's Moment of Reckoning, which interviewed more than 50 people and essentially came to the conclusion, quote, institutional sexism and harassment are so prevalent in the photojournalism industry that many photographers say it's rare for male peers to even call out bad behavior when they see it, end quote. So this report in 2018 definitely got attention, like within the photosphere. 
Um, but there was no specific mention of a particular Magnum photographer who has more recently been revealed by his victims, and that's Magnum photographer David Allen Harvey, who just this March resigned from Magnum shortly before a vote was about to take place to remove him um, due to allegations of sexual harassment from 11 different women and the revelation of his images of child sex trafficking from the 80s being publicly searchable on the Magnum Archive. Um, All of this background is really just a a brief overview, which brings us to this week's published op-ed piece written by photojournalist Alicia Vera for the Washington Post, where she outlines the sexual harassment that she experienced um, from Harvey and questions why during the Me Too movement that publications are seemingly, you know, still protecting photojournalists like Harvey and not publicizing the allegations against him. Um, It's a really moving and, in my opinion, convincing op-ed that I'm so glad got, you know, a major publication to, to, to post it. Alan, did you read it? I did. You know, she starts off the article by saying it's probably going to ruin my career for speaking out on this issue. And I think that, you know, a lot of women, predominantly women who come forward in these sexual harassment cases, do risk their careers by doing this stuff Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be people who don't believe them. There's always going to be people who say, you know, that's like, you know, he's an old guy, like, well, just let him live his life and whatever, (laughs) you know. She does say, quote, I assume news organizations would pick up the story as part of the Me Too movement. After all, the New York Times reported on the fall of Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein, gymnastics national team doctor Larry Nassar, and more recently has reported about uh, biographer Blake Bailey's and New York Governor Cuomo's alleged sexual misconduct. I, I thought this statement was somewhat naive only in terms of the fact that Harvey Weinstein and Cuomo they're huge figures in mainstream public life. In my in my opinion, I could be totally wrong because mm. I love you know I, I live in New York most of the time and mm-hmm. I like watch a lot of movies. But I remember mm-hmm. seeing these articles not only in newspapers but in magazines and on the Twitter sphere. David Allen Harvey, although he has nearly five hundred thousand followers, just not known in mm. mainstream circles. And so mm-hmm. the thought that his behavior would be highlighted in sort of mainstream press. I, I just don't know that that it's important enough to society in general that it would have been covered that way. That said, it's a horrible story that that to the point that you made earlier, that the industry isn't being more critical of this and that the people yeah. that do the hiring, right, those are the people that really have the power, those photo editors, directors of photography, that those people aren't taking a harder stand on this stuff Um, and punishing the transgressors economically is maybe the most disappointing part about the story. Yeah. I mean, I think her bringing up really high profile people. um, Yeah. I don't see a direct relation between, you know, like the Harvey Weinstein to what happened here other than what they both did was really messed up. Um, So yeah, I understand mainstream media, not like blowing up the story, but I certainly think that, you know, he's part of the editorial world. And so it's, it, it can come across as like protecting your own a little bit in terms of still hiring him in terms of, you know, stories not coming out against him, et cetera. So, well, 
you know, I hope this doesn't ruin Alicia's career. And with yeah. that, here's a shout out. She is a Mexico and Miami based photojournalist. She has some really nice work on her website. We'll post a link to her website as well. Take a look at her uh, portfolio and hire her if uh, she meets your needs. The New York Times had a really neat piece that brought together 15 different photographers, all of whom were 25 years old or younger, photographed hmm. throughout the month of May <laughs> uh, to talk about maybe the, the, the renewal of FOMO, fear of missing out in the city because things seem to be coming back to life. Uh, it was a really cool photo package. Um, you and I talked offline a little bit about why they chose 25 as a cutoff for hiring photographers. Yeah. <laughs> and I joked with you saying, well, they just wanted to exclude you, Sarah. Um, totally. But, you know, I think when, when cities talk about how to create vibrance, it's really about having a young population create that energy and do all the cool things that young populations do. You know, the the parties, the busking, um, the energy is not created by having a large population of senior citizens or like middle-aged people. <laughs> so I thought True. the hiring of this younger group was uh, a, a smart move. I just yeah. love the the energy in the photos. Um, yeah. It also was very noticeable to me that the surnames of many of the photographers seemed to accurately reflect the population of the city itself. So there was a lot of Latinx photographers mixed in with Arabic names and a few white names. It, it felt representative to me mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. on first read. I I wanted to hate this so bad because <laughs> of that first thing where it was like we got together photographers under twenty five and I was and I, my first thought was why why did they have to be under twenty five and then I'm scrolling through it and I'm just blown away by every single image. I, I, I just, I want to have been in every single situation that they photographed. I wanted to witness it. And I even live in New York. Like I was experiencing FOMO and I live here. <laughs> so it just, I, I just, I love this. I, I love this, love this so much. Victor Llorente is one of the older photographers. I think he's like 24, 25. Um, had a lot <laughs> of photography featured in this piece. He's a great photographer. We'll have a link to his website. He has a very specific toning style. It's kind of yellowy, warm uh, post-production that he has on his photos. There was a photo by uh, a woman named Emerson Tormi of a man passing through a subway turnstile. And it's a fantastic image. There's just a lot of like mystery and the framing of it is beautiful. And I looked at it and I was like, ooh, I wish she had used a better camera. And then <laughs> when, you know, and then when I looked at who was actually taking the photos, they hired a lot of high school and college students to participate in this photo package. Oh, wow. And she wow, just wow. graduated or is about to graduate from high school. And oh. then... When I realized all of this background, I was like, you know what? She had the best camera at the time that she took the photo, which was the one she had with her. And I felt yeah. like such a jerk for being like, oh, I wish she had like a $2,000 camera to take this photo. <laughs> like she had her iPhone or whatever it was and she took the photo and it's a great photo. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a lovely group shot of all of these 15 photographers at Washington Square Park at the end of the package that Victor also took. Just a fun photo. I hope that they remember this uh, assignment, you know, right at the end of the pandemic, at least in New York, as far as New York is concerned, um, mm -hmm. and all of the hope and aspiration and energy that's coming into this summer uh, 
congratulations to all of those photographers. So Instagram has shed some light on their algorithm, the mysterious algorithm that everyone is always trying to figure out. They finally published a blog post because they were like, guys, we hear you. You're annoyed. You hate us. Here's how it works. <laughs> so if the first thing that they clear up is that it's not a single algorithm. Obviously, there are multiple algorithms that are feeding you content on the app. The five interactions that they look most closely at are how likely you are to spend a few seconds on a post, um, if you're to comment on it, if you liked it, if you saved it, and tap on the profile photo. So these are all actions that they record into the algorithm. Um, the more likely you are to take an action, the more heavily we weigh that action, the higher up you'll see the post. And you had shared with me, Alan, how users are guessing that the new algorithm weighs different actions. And I've seen this a lot. According to people, the most important thing that you can do on a post now is save it. Do you ever save posts, Alan? Very, very infrequently. Uh, okay. And, you know, the, the problem is like bookmarking things on the web. Like you bookmark it and then you never look at your bookmarks again. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I have all, I have like boards. I save so many, oh, so many well, good different for you. things. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of use it like Pinterest, but on Instagram. So anyway, that's the most important. Second most important is for you to direct message the post to someone. So if you think it's funny, if you want to show your friend a cool thing, you DM them. And then third is to comment on it. And coming in last at fourth is to just actually like the post. People, <laughs> yeah. people think that this is uh, the least... <laughs> the least important thing. Now, I just want to reiterate that that ranking is people assuming that Instagram did not confirm the ranking, that part. Right. That's right. Yes. You know, yes. I've done a lot of uh, research into search engine optimization, uh, you know, especially going back, you know, seven, 10 years ago. And the one thing that's mm. always struck me about that is, you know, people get really mad at the algorithms. The algorithms, yeah. like search algorithms, are designed to help you find better content, right? They're trying to be more accurate based on what your intent is when you're searching or, you know, in this case, mm -hmm. what you're seeing in your feed. And somebody, like a person or a team of people, have to come up with a way to rank content. So if you were going to go into a room with your friends and say, what's the best way, if everyone has, you know, five, they're following 5,000 people on Instagram and you can only look at 200 of those posts a day, what would be the best way to surface the, quote, best content? Mm. And I think you would come up with an algorithm that's not dissimilar to this, right? Where likes are just, they're almost a passive interaction with the content because all you have to do is tap your screen twice. That's very sure. different than sharing or commenting. So I think that Instagram, you know, people love to hate on Instagram, but coming up with an algorithm is tough. Um, and I'm not surprised at all to see that the power of sharing, uh, I've, I've noticed that on Facebook as well. So I think there's probably a lot of sharing of thoughts around how to optimize newsfeed uh, at Instagram and Facebook. Obviously, they're, they're owned by the same company. Um, so, I mean, nothing terribly surprising uh, in, in this particular news story, but I I did think it was interesting for them to surface this publicly to say that yeah. these are the signals that influence what you are seeing in your feed. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. They are timing how long you're looking at a post. Yeah, that's a little scary, right? But you could. I know. The phone yeah. allows you to do that. So. <laughs> yeah. Finally, on the show at the Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple uh, announced that in their upcoming iOS 15, which will come out in the fall, they'll finally allow you to block your exes from ruining your photo memories. How many times, Sarah, have you been? <laughs> You know, you wake up, you turn on your phone and a Google Photos or Apple Photos shows you a photo of your ex from like five or seven years ago. And you're like, you know what? I didn't need to see that today. <laughs> That's happened to me enough times that I'm like, God, why do I turn on the photo memories? But every once in a yeah. while, you'll get a good photo memory and you're like, oh, yeah. Okay, so there's a purpose for this. Uh, and then, you know, there's this piece uh, on Mac Rumors announcing this. We'll have that link on our blog. And then I had to go into the comment section. Ooh, yes. Yeah. What'd you think of that comment section? <laughs> I was laughing out loud reading these comments. Um, I think my favorite was, quote, I'm sure Melinda Gates will find this feature useful, especially since she can now allow Apple devices in her household. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda, of course, famously divorced uh, Bill Gates or is in the process of yeah. divorcing Bill Gates. The top comment mm. when I looked at this story was, you know, the snarky guy who said, or you could, I don't know, delete the photos, followed <laughs> directly by another very sensitive comment, uh, quote, some of us have lost family members to COVID and don't want to be reminded at this very moment of that fact, but acknowledge that this feeling will not last forever. Did you consider that before firing off your response? Should I delete the photos of dead father so I don't get reminded of that fact randomly in the middle of the day? Aww. So Mr. Snark tried to be funny uh, and then was kind yeah. of, you know, had to eat a little bit of crow there. Um, you can't be funny on the internet. Hey, don't, don't try to be funny. If you're going to be funny, be anonymous and do it in meme fashion. Don't try to, like, talk it out. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, for one, will be happy when this feature comes out uh, and will That's a good immediately suppress several people from my photo memories. <laughs> oh, man. With that, we come to the end of another episode of Vision Slightly Blurred. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment or a rating. You can always tweet at us at Photoshelter. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Photoshelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.